0: Life is a collection of yeses and nos, or so I've been told. Imagine that walking through life is like continually stepping down a staircase into the unknown. But instead of a strict step by step staircase, the descent is a series of forks. The staircase keeps splitting in two, and each next step is either a step left or a step right. A right next step or a wrong one. Which will you choose? Which way will you go? What do you do next? So, life is a series of yes or no, of steps this way or that, of choices. Good people make good choices and bad people make bad ones. You either grow into, or prove yourself to already be, a certain type of person by the steps you take down the staircase of life. Samuel proved himself virtuous by saying yes to God. Will you? Will you say yes if God calls you to be a missionary in North Korea? To say no to that job? to take this class, to befriend a specific person. Now, I admit, each of these is actually a legitimate question, a valid consideration, the likes of which will confront every Christian. But, if we step back a bit from the step-by-step analogy, we notice that the sketch of the staircase of life loses quality. The sketch works, the the sketch mark smudges, and the colors run, and the image is more one of how life is imagined to be, rather than presenting a true picture. The issue is that the right next steps of life image fundamentally asks the wrong question. What's my next right step? What's the next correct decision I'm supposed to make? What am I supposed to do? Though the program admits that... The inevitableness of decisions intellectually, sorry, though the program actually admits the interrelatedness, yeah, handwriting, of decisions intellectually, it presents life as a series of isolated individual events. Also, and here's where my admittedly ungracious sensitivity may be at play, the analogy fails because of a forced shallow profoundness, like a motivational speech that tries too hard where, ironically, the laid-bare, let's-be-real, is wholly unrelatable. If my goal is for you to examine the type of person you are, the nature of your decisions, and your unavoidable impact on others, then I'm not going to smack a biblical character into the pop-fly of an accessible catchphrase. I'm going to take the time to show you the man, and, as best I can, prompt Force you to consider yourself next to him. Examine your character side by side with his. The Lord called Samuel and he said, Here I am. That's First Samuel 3-4. Who's Samuel? Well, he's a man dedicated to God. Read chapters 1 and 2 of First Samuel. He's a man dedicated to God whose life literally is not to do with as he sees fit, being specifically purposed to the service of God. As long as he lives, said Samuel's mother, he is lent to the Lord. In other words, Samuel knows and understands that, though the mundane day-to-day of life may be basic and banal, he is a man under authority, beholden to do his master's bidding when summoned and directed first question is then what do you recognize authority or are you a quote man of lawlessness as paul would say the latter wanders step by step through life doing what he sees what seems best to him at the time informed by his own understanding of things he takes he takes when it makes sense he hates when it makes sense he loves when it makes sense sense. He gets back at someone when it makes sense. He indulges or abstains, moves or stays still when it makes sense. And the correctness of his decision is measured, put possibly over simply, by how the result or the outcome makes him feel. Life is settled, stable, running smoothly, lacking hardship, strife, and discord. And things that produce or progress towards these ends is good. And if something doesn't, well, then he must have taken a bad step. Most lawless men are, by all accounts, actually relatively decent people, trying to make the best of things as best they know how until it's all over. But such a life lacks purpose other than the measure of happiness when you can have it. This may be admitted to be a goal of life, this happiness, but could hardly, in real honesty, be considered a purpose, an explicit reason for living. And individual people, at some point, to some extent, crave individual purpose. And purpose is externally derived. Sure, you could engrossed in self-liberating existentialism, declare your own purpose. But, frankly, who are you to determine that? No, honestly, what are your qualifications for determining your life's purpose other than a perceived sense of self-entitlement? Consider this example. A man, a priest no less determines that it is his purpose to help the poor and destitute flee from poverty and violence. To accomplish this, he negotiates with local warlords to at least not harass or even provide protection to migrating refugees. Because the refugees are working in the warlord's interest by serving as drug mules. This example actually comes from an episode of Madam Secretary. Fantastic show. Highly recommend is this also too specific? Too extreme an example? Consider this then. The dogged determination of self determined purpose will force you into ethical situations in which it is all too easy and likely to justify wrong steps as moving in the right direction. Even the language we use, finding one's purpose, discovering one's purpose, belies the fact that purpose for something, its end, as it were, is externally derived. As an employee, your purpose is what your employer has determined. As an actor, your purpose is what the playwright has determined. As a husband, your purpose is determined by the nature of the institution of marriage. And the purpose of a man is to fear God and keep his commandments. All purpose is externally imposed by a recognized authority. Reread, or read for the first time, 1 Samuel chapters 1 through 2, to get an understand to get an understanding of Samuel's life before his famous yes to God in chapter 3. And Samuel understands that in his position, his purpose is to answer the summoning and do the bidding of his authorized master, namely the priest Eli. And Samuel is in the habit of faithfully following his purpose. He hears his name, so he gets up and presents himself to his master for service. This point is crucial because the entire concept of saying yes to God is grounded in your character, your modus operandi as a person, and your understanding of the nature of the relationship between the two of you. What is God's purpose as master, and what is yours as servant? When Samuel famously says says to God, Speak, for your servant is listening, he isn't doing anything out of the ordinary. At least not for him. He presents himself to his master and awaits instruction. Is this you before God? At this point, I have in my head some lyrics to a worship song. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a father. (laughs) Have you? I would wager that our contemporary understanding of this statement is something like, God is our Father, which means that He loves us, and is affectionate towards us, makes us feel safe and accepted, helps us in our problems, and never abandons us, etc. All of this is a reflection of an exaggeratedly inordinate understanding of what a Father is. But Jesus makes abundantly clear that to know God as a Father means as anyone in his cultural context would have recognized as obvious, to recognize the father's authority and carry out his bidding. The other perks of sonship over servanthood are a different issue, which do not detract from the centrality of this fact in the father-son relationship. But back to Samuel. Samuel presents himself for instruction. But what sort of instruction can be expected? What is it that we are saying yes to? Well, first, there's the occasional direct instruction. Moses, lead my people. Joseph, move your family to Egypt. Noah, build a big-ass boat. Jeremiah, live the life of a lonely prophet that is admittedly going to suck. Sometimes, there's positioning. Go here, as it were. This is Philip in Acts 8 going down the road to Gaza. Or Queen Esther who's been positioned for such a time as this. Roll with it as you move through things and step into your place. You'll know when it comes across. I actually meant to switch that paragraph with the one right after it, but here we go. Possibly the instruction is simply a heads up, like what God actually gives to Samuel. X is about to happen. So be ready to step up and do as directed. But, most often, the instruction from God isn't direct. It's discerned. And this is only possible if you are familiar with your master. Know how he thinks and how he operates. What he expects and what he approves. This is what allows a successful... uh, Ah, sports analogy! So, yeah... Know how your master thinks and how he operates, what he expects and what he approves. Sports analogy. This is what allows a successful quarterback, or really any player on the field, to make decisions in real time. Now, I know this analogy breaks down if you're a football player, but roll with it. This is what allows a successful quarterback to make decisions in real time. What play to call, what adjustments to make in real time to the coach's approval without constant direction from the sideline he's not incessantly asking what is his next right step. He can figure it out in the context of a situation. One of Jesus' parables actually proves as much. In Matthew 25, Jesus supposes that a man went on a journey and entrusted some property, money, to a handful of his servants. Two of them invested it. One of them didn't. When asked why... The scaredy cat replied that he was afraid because his master was a certain kind of person. The master responds, Yeah, you know that I'm that sort of person. So obviously you should have put two and two together and acted in a certain way with the money I gave you. Here we see illustrated the point, actually, of Romans 12, 1 and 2. Review that if you need to. Because your life is one of dedicated service to your master... A master whom you know and understand, and whom you are habituated to obey and seek to please, then discern what is likely to get a well-done good and faithful servant in any given situation. Whatever that may be, is at least a step in the right direction. And in so operating, you will prove yourself to be someone who, who said the one real yes that matters. See Romans 10.9 for that one.